Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of JM Rewind. JM Rewind gives us an opportunity to check out some of the recent conversations we've had on JM and the AM. Ms. Sari Singer, Director of Career Services at Turo's Lander College for Women, joined us recently about an event that was going on. Here's that conversation. Ms. Sari Singer on JM Rewind at the Nahum Siegel Network. Our friends at Turo College have a career fair going on, yet another advantage when you are a student at Turo College. Their, their career fair this year is happening tomorrow, and it's happening happening virtually between noon and 4 o'clock Eastern time. It's never too early to think about your future career. Internships are vital to building your resume, gaining important real-world experience, making valuable connections. If you're looking for a full-time job or an internship, now is the time, uh, if you're a Turo sophomore, junior, or senior, to register for and to sign up for the virtual career fair, which is happening tomorrow noon until 4. Again, yet another advantage and an amazing opportunity from Turo College to help students get into the workforce at the proper time and uh, as soon as possible. Sari Singer is with us live via telephone. Sari Singer is Director of Career Services at Turo's Lander College for Women. Sari Singer, a pleasure to welcome you to JM in the AM. Good morning. How are you? Baruch Hashem. Big day tomorrow because yet again, our friends at Turo get to prove that not only are they in the business of getting our uh, youngsters a great education, uh, but they're also making efforts constantly to help them get into the workforce. And I know that it's not just the career fair. Am I right, Sari, that this is something that goes on year-round in terms of the effort to get students into good jobs? Absolutely. We run two career fairs a year, which is one of the ways that we connect students with employers. But our job is really dedicated to the long-term success of our students um, through our different uh, divisions that have undergraduate uh, career service uh, programs on the campuses themselves. And we'd be surprised just how vast a uh, a resume, excuse the pun, uh, Turo has when it comes to the different areas where they uh, place students, meaning uh, almost every industry, if not every industry, that a student wants to pursue, you guys can help in one way, shape, or form. Absolutely. We've had participating employers at our career fair from Goldman Sachs, from Amazon Web Services, PwC, Deloitte, KPMG, Apple. Then we have all different things, healthcare companies, hospitals, nonprofit organizations like the Simon Wiesenthal Center for their Summer Advocacy Program, the Jewish Community Relations Council of New York. So we really go across the gamut including other companies like Steinreich Communications. And we give our students the opportunity to interview with these employers to hopefully for them to land either an internship or a full-time position. By the way, I think you've just given me an idea because I have been the proponent, and Rabbi Krupka and others know this, I have been the proponent of a slogan that I created about Turo, which is real classes, real courses, real degrees. And I say it th- that. I, and I say it that way because unfortunately, too many people in our community are pursuing courses and degrees that are quote unquote not real, but that's a topic for another day. But now I might be able to add a fourth, and that's real jobs because the real yeah. classes, real courses, and real degrees of Turo do lead to real jobs. And what do we want more for the young people in our community than to get the job they deserve? If they walk in with poor qualifications, they are not. Uh, going to get the uh, you know to the point where they'd like to in a certain industry, they walk in with your degree and they're able to get to the highest part of the industry. So it's real jobs that you are offering and real jobs that you're connecting 
these students with. Sari Singer is with us live via telephone, Director of Career Services at Turo's Lander College for Women. Now, specifically for tomorrow, for the virtual career fair, and I'm assuming it's it's normally not virtual, but because of the situation, right. obviously it is. Um, what what do we need to know? We need to know that any Turo student is eligible to register for this? Any any Turo student that's a sophomore, junior, or senior can register. I recommend, and we all recommend, actually, students meeting with somebody in career services uh. because what we did when COVID happened, we pivoted our services all online, including the career fair. So we help students with every single process, not only the process of them choosing a career, writing their resume, helping them to network and create a LinkedIn profile, which is very important, but specifically for an online career fair, students need to know how to do a video interview, um, how to utilize the screen share technology involved in this process in order for their resumes to be enhanced, uh, to make sure that they're, that they're doing the right things, that they'll be able to really land that position with the employer. And our online platform that we're using is favored by top colleges around the country to connect students with the companies they're looking for um, after they graduate. So we really are working hard on this. Students are, are learning through our workshops how to interview online what they need to do and how to be really successful. You know, you make a good point about the LinkedIn profile. You know, so much stuff that people do and the youngsters do online in terms of social media is a lot of it is tongue-in-cheek, a lot of it is, you know, exaggerated or sarcastic. When it comes to the LinkedIn profile, it's got to be accurate, it's got to be up-to-date, and it's got to be respectful, right? Absolutely. And there's key things sometimes in the LinkedIn profile that, that people don't realize that will enhance their profile to get more visibility mm-hmm. and be able to connect with people more. And we really, we have somebody who specializes in LinkedIn and he really goes through with the students and, and allows them. That's actually Chaim Shapiro, who's a director um, in Flatbush, in our Flatbush division. And he really goes through LinkedIn with them and helps them to make sure that what they're putting on there will get the visibility that they need. You're, you actually have a LinkedIn expert on staff. How, how, what does that say about you guys? Talk about being real 2021, that's for sure. Uh, by the way, we should mention, and, and you, I think you alluded to this, but we should emphasize that a lot of the employers or potential employers actually come to campus, will actually come and they'll want to meet the students. The students don't even have to go to the trouble of actually traveling somewhere to get those interviews. Yes. Normal, under normal circumstances, our career fairs are usually in person. Right. and employers come to campus, but even more so, after the career fairs, employers follow up with on-campus interviews. And that can give students an even higher rate of getting that position by being more visible to the employers. Yeah, big advantage to say the least. Look, when you have a a network or a system that's, you know, backing up the students, that's supporting the students the way you guys are, their their possibility for success only increases, uh, to say the least. How many students do you think will be taking advantage of this tomorrow? Is this going to be one of the larger career fairs tomorrow? Right now, online, I think we have registered almost 200 students for the career fair. Wow. Um, and we have almost 50 employers. And ev- so it really gives students that hands-on opportunity to really meet them face-to-face, as opposed to just submitting their resume cold. And every industry that I could mention right now, I'm sure, is represented. I mean, they're, they're all there, yes. right? They're we all- have many, many representations. And also, again, students that, that don't besides the career fair, they can come to our office and we help them outside the career fair. So we are constantly working to connect with employers everywhere to help our students. But specifically for the career fair, it's an amazing opportunity for our students to really speak to an employer face-to-face, again, right now over the screen, but even when we usually have them in person, and really have a chance to to land that position that they really want. And we'll continue... 
Yes. No, I, I was gonna. <laughs> I was gonna say it's funny because when Dr. Kadish was on, I'm talking about toward the beginning of the pandemic, and he was describing just how quickly everything switched to Zoom and how quickly everything went to remote learning, and it was done almost seamlessly uh, by the Turo yes. staff. It seems like your department has gone through the same thing. You've adjusted perfectly through the whole situation. We have, and we continue to make sure that if students can't meet with us in person or they're, or they're not on campus, we'll still meet with them over Zoom. And we found that we've been able to pivot that really well. And students are really taking to, you know, understanding what they need to do to be successful. And we're really proud of our students. And we're going to continue to provide the best assistance we can at our career service offices so all our students uh, can be successful in this rapidly changing world. Turo's 2021 Virtual Career Fair is tomorrow, noon until 4. It's meant for Turo students. Turo students who are tuned in, how do they register for this, Sari Singer? They need to go to the Turo website, and and they need to also have a Handshake account, which is the platform that we're using for the career fair. And if they do not, they need to reach out to the career service office on their campus and let us help them to make sure that their profile is set up and that their resume is uploaded and that they're prepared and ready to go tomorrow. Real classes, real courses, real degrees, real jobs. Anything you want to add to that, Sari Singer? <laughs> no, I love that. I think it's it, it hits the nail on the head. It really it's exactly does. exactly what our office is all about. It really does. There are people in my industry in communications who um, uh, are, are earning a certain amount of money per year, and I say to them, you realize if you would have just gone for this degree or this type of degree or a serious degree, you'd be making double. And they don't believe it, but it, it's proven every time. I mean, the more qualified you are and the better qualifications you walk in with, uh, the more money you'll make. It'll be easier to support your family. Simple as that. That's how Absolutely. it works. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the more experience you have before you graduate, the more you're going to get that, that job you really want. 100%. That's how it works. Career fair tomorrow. Good luck, Turo students. Sounds like you are. Yeah. It sounds like Turo has your back when it comes to getting out there and making sure you land a great job at a great firm or institution questions, you can uh, email them career.services at turo.edu, career.services at turo.edu. And as I always say to those uh, parents out there and the potential students who are tuned in, uh, yet another reason why you'd want to consider Turo because they literally, um, uh, they continue the journey with you, not just to get the degree, but to actually get you into the workforce as well. Uh, Sari Singer, I take this opportunity to wish you a happy, healthy, sweet new year and uh, continued good luck. You're doing amazing work, very important work. Thank you, you too. Getting Thank you for having us on the show. A pleasure. Important work getting jobs for people, for young people in our community. More coming up. You're listening to a uh, Monday morning broadcast at JM in the AM. That was my conversation with Ms. Sari Singer. Rabbi Avram Biederman is next. The brand new book is uh, Rav Moshe on Chumash. It's amazing. It's from artscroll.com. Always use promo code radio and ordering from artscroll.com. Rabbi Avram Biederman here on JM Rewind at the Nahum Siegel Network. Uh, Rabbi Avram Biederman is with us live via telephone. He has had the uh, privilege, I think he'll call it a privilege, uh, to bring to the forefront through his translation... Uh, the works of Rav Moshe Feinstein on Chumash. Comments and perspectives based on lectures of Rav Moshe Feinstein Zatzal. The, the work was compiled by Rabbi Avram Shlomo Fischelis. And uh, Bracious and Shmos are now available. We are we are prompting everybody to go to artscroll.com, get the brand new Rav Moshe on Chumash. You'll be using it for the next half a year or so, the Bracious Shmosh volume. And... Um, and use promo code radio. When you use promo code radio, you get free shipping and a nice discount. How do you like that plug 
Use promo code radio at artscroll.com. It's one of life's amazing rules. Always use promo code radio at artscroll.com. Rav Moshe on Chumish is the brand new offering. Rabbi Avram Biederman, a pleasure to welcome you back to JM in the AM. The honor is mine. Great to speak to you, Nachum, as always. I appreciate that. How does this develop? Uh, I mean, many times we've seen books come out, not only from Art Scroll, but, you know, all over, everywhere, um, based on notes, based on audio tapes, based on lectures uh, from people who sat and either recorded or literally took copious notes as the Torah giant spoke. Does that basically sum up how we've gotten Rav Moshe Feinstein's words on Bracious and Shmos into a publication? Okay, we were very privileged that Rabbi Avram Fischelis, was a close Talmud of Rav Moshe, began writing Rav Moshe's notes when he was still a single fellow um, in Mesifta Jerusalem in the 60s. Wow. And as Rav Moshe spoke at Shalos Shudas, after Shabbos, Rabbi Fischelis would go ahead, young Avram Fischelis would go ahead and transcribe those what his comments, and that developed, and he published the first volume of Kol Rum in Hebrew in 1970 when he was still a, I believe he was a 19-year-old single fellow. Wow. And, ob- and, um, and obviously I would assume the, that that work was reviewed by Rav Moshe. The book had the Askama of Rav Moshe. Rav Moshe trusted him. And with time, he began following Rav Moshe around, traveling with Rav Moshe. When Rav Moshe would go to a convention or a conference or an event or a fundraising event, Rabbi Fischelis would accompany him, and he would transcribe what he said there. Can you just spe- can you just speak to the Shabbos issue for a moment so people understand what's going on? It's one thing to do what I described in my opening, take copious notes as one sits and listens to a Torah lecture. But when one has to try to remember the exact progression, all the sources, and the conclusion of the Torah lecturer after Shabbos, that's a whole new ballgame. Yes, it is. So thankfully, it was at Shalish, at Sudishli, just right. Shalish, so it's an easy one. So it wasn't that far, it wasn't that far away. That's true. But Rabbi Fischelis was brilliant. He was a brilliant and a very accomplished person. He was, he was, uh, he was a powerhouse. I remember him very well. He was really a powerhouse in many ways. He, in the world of Chinuch, he was, he was a, he was an innovator. He was young. He was dynamic. I knew him a little later. I didn't know when he was 20. Um, but he was he was dynamic. He was an innovator. He was a, he was ahead of Turkhan East Side, which was then a a, a, a very live, very uh, very vibrant uh, organization. And he had a, he, he was really he was really a brilliant guy, fellow. And uh, he he was able to keep track of it, and he was able to write it down. And he had Ramosha trusted him yeah. to, to do so. Were there other volumes of Kol Rum after that initial? Well, he gave him his notes. Right. So just so. Rav Moshe frequently gave him his notes. So long before Darish Moshe was printed, right. there are pieces that are in that appeared in Kol Rum that later appeared in Darish Moshe because he had access to Rav Moshe's notes. So, how many volumes of Kol Rum did we end up having? Okay, so uh, Rav Fischel in his lifetime published three volumes of Kol Rum. He was well underway to prepare a fourth volume when he was um, when he was stricken and um, with and he passed a year uh, several years later. But um, and is it Brachish, Shmos, and Vayikra that's that's out there? No, no. So the three volumes were the entire Chumash. Ah. Each volume was the entire Torah. I don't know that he was planning on doing a second volume when he published his first volume in 1970. Right. Um, like we said, he was a young fellow, very right. young, 
and um, he when he published his work, um, Rav Moshe writes, uh, you know, he he he, he has askama from Rav Moshe on the first volume, on the second volume, and on the third volume. They were all published in Rav Moshe's lifetime. Uh, the fourth volume was probably going to be larger than than the first three. He was putting everything else together. And what the family has done, the family has done a tremendous service to Kal Yisrael, and they have taken all the material, given it to an editor who com- who put it all in order. We now have two volumes published in Hebrew on Chumash, they've come out with several volumes on, on Noadim, um, based on based on what their father had put together, their father's Colonel Vach had put together. Um, they're putting out more in Hebrew, and um, what happened was Rory Fischels also put out an English volume called Bastion of Faith in the, I believe it was in 1973. He published the volume in English. Um, what happened here was that uh, somebody saw it and wanted more of it, suggested that we do more of it, and the family graciously allowed us to take this new comprehensive, complete work and adapt that into English. And that's been a, 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 a tremendous success for us. For me personally, and for I believe for all of us, um, to be involved in this. So, is what, what, so sorry, are, yeah. the, are these the first of Ramosha's Chumash commentaries to be published in English? No, so no. We have Darish Moshe, which are right. taken from Ramosha's notes, but those are literal. Those are really translations of his notes. What we did here was when Ramosha spoke, he was, his his brilliance in many areas shown through. He doesn't need my askama, but I'm just, so people understand. When he spoke, all of Torah came into play, and he made far-flung references to things, and his, he, he was incredible, he had incredible power of, homiletical power, power of drush, talent, talented for drush, and therefore when he spoke, he touched on many, almost like an octopus, very often it touched on, the tentacles reached all over the place. They'll be very difficult, and, and that all appears in Kol Ram, what we did here is that we simplified it, and we took the, the thought that applies to the Pasuk, really, and kept that intact. We distilled the drasha and kept the thought on the Pasuk so that somebody could easily share it at a Shabbos table and bring out the lesson that Rav Moshe was bringing out without, without citing the many sources and the many other issues that, that he touched on in the drasha. Uh, did Rav David Feinstein see this before it came out? No, he did not. He it, passed away. Um, he unfortunately he passed away while we were working on it. Um, I mean, perhaps even before we were talking about it. Uh, before we were working on it, uh, I did speak to Ruvain about it. Uh, you know, quite a bit. Interesting. Uh, there's a there's a, um, a a whole host of uh, of divrei Torah on on many different psukim for each parsha. This is not one of those deals where you have a parsha and you have one thought or one lecture. Uh, that's I, there's there are many many things that people will be able to gain uh and 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 uh, learn from uh from the safer it's called Ramoshan Chumash. I'm gonna give one example because it is the Arab Shabbos Bracious right Biederman. Now is the that time is correct. Now is the time, is the time for, to get on board. Now's the time for new beginnings. <laughs> and and for those who need to uh, wait because they haven't gotten it yet and they're gonna start at Noach, they can do that also. But I'll supplement it by giving them a thought. On Parsha's Bracious. This is what's written on page 40 of Rav Moshan Chumash. Hashem called to the firmament heaven. This is how God refers to the sky above as Shemayim. As Rashi explains, the word for heaven, Shemayim, is a contradiction. It tells us about the heaven's properties. 
Samayim, it carries water, and Shamayim, there's water there. Eshumayim, it is made of fire and water. Why was it important for Hashem to create the heaven from fire and water, two contradictory elements? We also learned that Hashem originally made two opposite properties, light and darkness, function together in a jumble. Why did he do that? Only to then separate them to designate light for day and darkness for night. The Torah is teaching us a lesson, everybody. Every character trait can be used properly or improperly, and they must sometimes be used in contradictory ways. For example, a person who properly does not assign great importance to money and is therefore exceedingly charitable might wrongly apply that same value system to treat other people's money and property with abandon, rendering him a thief. Similarly, a person should be humble and unassuming, but he may not treat others as if they were unimportant. Hashem made the heaven of fire blended with water to show us that conflicting characteristics can exist together as long as each one is used properly. Indeed, in Brachas we learn Torah scholars increase peace in the world because they know how to appropriately apply each trait. This also gives us insight into the verse in our prayers, Oseh Shalom Bim Ramav, he who makes peace in his heights, the heaven made of fire and water, may he make peace upon us so we can correctly apply our contradictory character traits. On the other hand, Rather than having light and darkness function together, Hashem separated them so that it's light during the day and dark at night. This teaches us that there are situations where a person must be resolute and not compromise. Right, Biederman? Uh, I will tell you that um, that just from the simpleness of day and night or of light and darkness, one can come up with brilliant Torah commentary. Yes, it takes brilliant people to do that, and Rav Moshe certainly was. <laughs> no question about that. Uh, Rav Moshe on Chumash is the book, Comments and Perspectives, based on the lectures of Rav Moshe Feinstein. Is there a specific uh, a vart or a specific passage you wanted to cite uh, this morning as an example from uh, from the brand-new book? Yeah, I, ha- I had my own favorite, <laughs> and that is um, that's an, an earlier Pasek. Yeah. Just give me a second. No problem. Um, Sitting here exchanging different Torah on a Friday morning, not that's a bad, it. not a bad way to spend the morning. <laughs> that's right. And we're giving people the, uh, and we're giving people the opportunity to to, to say this over at their table and share with their families. If their whole family is not listening, of course. <laughs> <laughs> the pasuk tells us for the earth was astonished when the earth was astonishingly empty. Right. Rashi explains that the word sohu is related to toha. Astonishment, because the person would be astonished and amazed by the emptiness that was there. So Rav Moshe asks, why, well, it makes sense for a person to be astonished when he sees all the wonders of Hashem's incredible creation. Why would someone be amazed by seeing nothing? Considering that nothing had yet been created, no one was there to be astonished. Why did the Torah even allude to this description? So in reality, the Torah is teaching us a tremendous lesson. We now, we know that we now know that although only vast emptiness existed before creation, there was the potential for Hashem to create the universe there. Mm. The astonishment is regarding why He allowed that emptiness to exist until, until then, rather than create His spectacular universe. Each person is given intellect, ability, and talent to study and to do good deeds. It is up to him to properly use them. If he does not, however, it is astonishing. For despite his potential to create, he is allowing amazing emptiness to exist instead. I love it. One would think one, one would think there's a benefit to being parv or a benefit to their to to them being desolate, and it's just the opposite. The aston- right. The aston- Any talent that we don't use is, yeah. is, is, is it's astonishing that we don't use them. That's what Ramosh is saying. Amazing. I love it. Uh, those of you out there, if you're in front of your computer or your phone, go to artscroll.com. Ramosh on Chumash is the name of the brand new one. 
Uh, it's on uh, Bracious and Schmos. I have to ask the obvious question, Ray Biederman. Any plans for Vayikra through Dvorim? We are working on it already. <laughs> Underway. And hopefully by the time we get to Vayikra, huh? Sometime during Chomish Vayikra. I don't know if it will be after Par- right. Parshish Vayikra, but during Chomish Vayikra, we will, Emir Hashem, have the rest of Chomish out. It's comments and perspectives based on the lectures of Ramosha Feinstein and um, compiled, of course, by Ram Shlomo Fischelis. And as we said, the English is a translation, the responsibility of... Um, Rabbi Avram Biederman, our guest this morning. Thanks so much for joining us. Mazel Tov on the brand new work. Pleasure. And our best regards to everybody at Art Scroll. Will do. Have a great Shabbat time. Rabbi Avram Biederman, Shabbat Shalom. Rabbi Avram Biederman, everybody. Uh, Artscroll.com. Go to Artscroll.com. Ramoshan Chumash. Discount plus free shipping if you use promo code radio. We can't make it any more enticing, folks. Discount and free shipping if you use promo code radio. You know the rule at Artscroll.com. The rule is always use promo code radio that was my conversation with Rabbi Avram Biederman Rabbi Yitzchak Kiesiger was with us recently about his brand new book from Artscroll and Artscroll.com always use Artscroll's promo code radio and ordering from Artscroll.com Rabbi Kiesiger from a recent edition of JM and the AM here he is on JM Rewind at the Nahum Siegel Network uh, we've spoken to Rabbi Yitzchak Kiesiger on the air before in his many roles and many capacities at uh, Arts Girl Masora. And uh, he is, as you know, in addition to so many functions and titles um, uh, that he has over at Arts Girl, he is a, a very popular writer. In fact, the Food for Thought series, Food for Thought and uh, Food for Thought 2, are both products uh, written by Rabbi Yitzchak Hiziger. He's got a brand new book. It's called Powerful Moments. And frankly, the time between Yom Kippur and Sukkot might be some of the most powerful moments in our tradition as we get set to Bezrat Hashem sit in the Sukkah tonight. Powerful moments, stories to ignite your spiritual flame. Rabbi Yitzchak Hiziger, a pleasure, a Gemar Tov, and a pleasure to welcome you back to JM in the AM. Thank you, Nachum. It's an honor to be with you. Um, I don't know if we can go through the entire book, but I can certainly blame you for ruining yet another Shabbos for me. Uh, I always <laughs> I always joke around with people who are releasing great Jewish material out there that usually it takes at least one Shabbos afternoon for me to really dive into the material and enjoy it. So when I use the word ruin, you know I'm kidding around. Uh, it may have ruined the potential for any Shabbos afternoon sleep, but it certainly gave me a tremendous amount of inspiration. And uh, I can tell you that this past Shabbos, powerful moments led to a lot of powerful moments for me, uh, being inspired by the stories that you tell. You know, now now being a veteran, Rabbi Hiesiger, being a veteran of, you know, transmitting stories, storytelling, and really deciding what to bring in terms of stories to the public, how does a story make the final cut in a book like this? What are you looking for when you want to put a story under the title of Powerful Moments? Nachum, I love the question because it's something that I grapple with all the time. Um, Baruch Hashem, at this point, having written short stories for quite a number of years, and uh, I should say that it started with a column in the Yeted called Food for Thought, short stories every week, and by now people send me stories all the time and um, I have the privilege or the responsibility, so to speak, of deciding which stories make the cut, as you put it so aptly. 
And the point, I think, at the end of the day is to take a story that has a lesson. You know, some people say that, uh, or some people view the story as the main part of the equation. Right. And I look at it a little differently. I, I, I look at the lesson as a validation of the story. If the story has a lesson, a takeaway, then it will make the cut. Um, and I'm looking for fresh material. And like I always say, I'm not, I, I wasn't the one to invent this genre of short stories. You know, the great ones who came before me, Rabbi Krohn and others. Um, but in this book, which I'm sure you saw, many of the stories are shorter vignettes, but the common denominator is that they all have practical, down-to-earth lessons. No matter who the reader is, they could take away something that will help them be better people, help them serve Hashem better, and just overall enhance their lives with these stories. Yeah, I hear it. Uh, you don't necessarily have to get that rush when you hear a story in order for it to make the book. I know that helps, right? If it, if it really if it really gets to your to your kishka, so to speak, then you know the story there's belongs. No question. But but even yeah. without even without that, there's criteria to make sure that you can enjoy uh, and then transmit a great story. By the way, you know we're sitting here on Erev Sukkis, and I have to remind our audience first of all about. Our wonderful relationship with ArtScroll. Everybody out there, of course, knows that ArtScroll is a great corporate sponsor of our programming. I do remind everybody that when you buy Powerful Moments, which obviously if you purchase today, you'll have uh, you'll have in a few days. If you buy Powerful Moments, Rabbi Yitzchak Hiziger, always use promo code RADIO for your discount plus free shipping. It's Rabbi Yitzchak Hiziger's brand new Powerful Moments. But I need to point out that you, you actually have really um, uh, joined us on a perfect day to talk about this book because you include some great Sukkis stories. And some of these stories, you know, you have the, the one with Rav Shach about Kiddush, right? You know which one I'm talking about, right? Right, absolutely. And I'm, sure. saying, I'm saying to myself, that's not a great story. It's just an amazing insight from Rav Shach to open up our eyes that when we're saying Kiddush, which as you know, Rabbi Hezegar, many of us just say it tonight without really thinking about it. But if you just think about the words, it's going to change your holiday. If you think about the words during Kiddush, it's going to give you that, as it says in your story, the feeling of I want to dance. I want to get up and just, you know, recognize how joyful it is to be a member of Klal Yisrael. And I think that's a really important message going into Sukkot. Very well said. And if I'll just follow up, I believe the next story in the book yep. is, an, is an interesting story about someone, Yid Reb Yaakov Katz, who happens right. to live in Lakewood, where I do, right. who actually traveled from Lakewood when he heard that the forecast one year before Sukkot was it involved rain, and he may not be able to fulfill the mitzvah of Sukkah the way he wanted to. He actually traveled three hours north right. to his daughter to his daughter in Fallsburg to spend the yomtiv there. And again, the 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 point of that story is the message of doing whatever we could to fulfill a mitzvah, and um, and you know it's messages like that that the regular person, quote unquote to do the extraordinary. It doesn't have to be a godal, and there are many stories in the book about great Torah leaders, both men and women, but the message that I want people to take away is that no matter who you are, man, woman, child, no matter what your age, what demographic, you could make a difference, and um, both personally, both communally, and hopefully that message comes across. And in a story like that about Rabbi Katz, who mm -hmm. traveled, significantly in order to fulfill a mitzvah, there he is, a quote-unquote regular person who could, you know, do something that was really 
out of the ordinary. Yeah, no question about it. Rabbi Heisiger is with us live via telephone. I'm recommending the book Powerful Moments, Stories to Ignite Your Spiritual Flame. Go to artscroll.com. By the way, I'll tell you another thing. I mean, obviously we're focused on Sukkot. If I'm speaking to Erev Hanukkah, we do your Hanukkah stories, you know. But, but we're focused on Erev Sukkot. And one of the greatest frustrations people have, no you know, no secret, one of the greatest frustrations people have uh, is the price of Yuntif. And when it comes to Sukkot specifically, the price of a Esrig can be a little bit steep. But you cited I, – I, where did you hear this story from? Did this come from Anasha Miller, the story about Rabbi David Rosenberg? Yes, it originally came from my good friend, Rabbi Anasha Miller. He's actually a, a committee man here sure. in Lakewood. And and, uh, and and you know one of the look. I'm sure you got. I'm sure you spent part of your day yesterday shopping like the rest of us. <laughs> and, and you know, and you know what it's like spending Erev Yuntiv, and you know what it's like ordering love and a Sorokin for everybody in your family. So Rabbi Rosenberg goes ahead. He spends no doubt. Right, we we're estimating based on the way the story goes. We're estimating he spends hundreds of dollars on a lulav and esrog. But when his son asks him what he spent, he said he spent a mere. $75, and the rest went for Tzorche Yontif. The rest went for the needs of the holiday. Rabbi Heisinger, why did this story make it into the book? It's just such a great lesson mm. in how to give tzedakah, in how to help others. Yep. It's not always so much what we do, but how we do it. So the portion of money that Rabbi David Rosenberg had spent, you know, what we would say was, you know, with within or beyond his range for an Etzrig was simply a way of, of helping another yid. In this case, it was the Etzrig seller, the Etzrig dealer. And, uh, you know, like I write in the book, something to the effect, what more beautiful way to help a fellow Jew than to give him money for yeah. what he's selling. Yeah. You know, it's not just giving him a handout, yeah. but it's actually buying what he's selling. And I appreciate that you referenced that story, especially at this time of year. And I like like all the stories that I write. I really try to verify them, and and this story I actually verified with the Rosenberg family. So, um, yeah, one of my favorites. Thank you. And it's funny because I, I spent some time uh, Matzei Shabbos in Flatbush, and I spent some time yesterday in Crown Heights. There are a lot of people selling love and Estrogam. I'm sure the same thing is going on down in Lakewood, right? There are a lot of sellers, so there are a lot of Absolutely. people. There are a lot of people who need a Pardusa this time of year. You know, I, I, it's interesting because sometimes the Estrig and Lulav dealers get a bad rap. Yep. You know, uh, as as far as prices and things like that, but obviously they're just trying to make a living, like like all of us. And uh, and the idea that someone is thinking out of the box. And worrying about the next person's parnasa and giving it to them, bederach covered in an honorable way, is a lesson that any of us could take. No you know, question. it's giving the it's giving the the merchant, the vendor, an extra dollar or two, you know, so that he has, uh, you know, over here was a significantly more, right. significantly greater amount of money, but it's our ability uh, of lechu his parnasu of helping each other financially and. That, come on, that's a lesson that any of us could learn and instill in our children and uh, apply ourselves. And, and you know, it's Erev Yontif. We've been doing our Tishrei, what started as Elul, and now Tishrei Chesed campaign, asking people to do nice things for others before tonight, before the Yontif starts, could be financial or otherwise. I mean, some people just need a few dollars. Some people just need 
a little bit of extra money. And I know that growing up and obviously uh, getting to a certain age, as you just said before, we have a certain impression of those who are selling love and estrogen. But the bottom line is, it's you know, think about how the love and estrogen get to those tables in all the Jewish communities and get to the places in the stores where they're going to and and, and end up you know being delivered to your home. Uh, you know, th- there are a lot worse things that we're spending money on. That I could say. <laughs> I've gotten to the, well said. Yeah, I've gotten to the age where I could say we're spending money on a lot worse things and love them and estrogen and helping people in that industry uh, stay um, uh, stay above water financially. Um, Rabbi Hiesiger is with us live via telephone. By the way, we should mention with the brand new book, Powerful Moments. As much as I'm focusing on Sukkis and people are probably getting the idea that the book is separated into holidays or sections with the partios, you know, chronologically, because, again, I've been concentrating on the fact that you have some stories that are perfect for an era of Sukkot. The reality is you separated the stories into moments, moments of faith, Torah, providence, character, guidance, perspective, purity, humility, unity, warmth, kiruv, and many others. How did you choose these uh, categories to be the list of, um, of categories for this book? So it, it's it's interesting. I wanted topics that are relevant to people. I want people who, you know, part of the short story genre is um, there are rabbanim, rabbis, others, rabbeim, people who speak, who very often turn to these types of books for stories. Right. And whether you're speaking at a Sheva Brachis or you're speaking at a gathering in your shul, people very often need stories on various topics. And this way we divided it into these topics to help people kind of, you know, quantify and organize it. Uh, but what's nice about the book is that really you could open up to any page and there will be a story there that you could read. You don't have to read it in order. Some are shorter, some are a bit longer, but there are over 200 stories in this book. And we, as you saw, Nachum, we dressed up the book with beautiful pictures yeah. of many of the protagonists in the book, kind of brings the stories to life. And the feedback has been phenomenal. Baruch Hashem, right now before Yantif, it's a busy time. People need reading material, and people are going out and buying the book, and it's a tremendous honor. And I will add one other thing. You mentioned my employment at ArtScroll. Right. This is my first book to publish with ArtScroll, being at ArtScroll, the first two books that I put out were prior to my employment at ArtScroll, and just being there at ArtScroll and seeing the amount of work and effort that goes into it and the perfection, the eye for for perfection, from Rabbi Zlotowitz and Rabbi Brander and Rabbi Sherman and the rest of the phenomenal team was really, really inspiring and and quite humbling, I may say. Very nice. Well, it's a good team over there. We know it. By the way, folks, uh, we keep talking about ArtScroll's website. There are a lot of people who are going to be visiting Judaica stores today. A lot of people. I myself might be in a Judaica store today. Uh, a lot of people like to go Erev Yontif. A lot of accoutrements for Sukkot are still nece- for for the holiday of Sukkot are still necessary and uh, and needed and wanted. Uh, if you're in a store today, pick it up. Powerful moments or Yitzchak Hiziger. It's an Art Scroll production, an Art Scroll publication. Powerful moments, stories to ignite your spiritual flame. Something like a great story on Yontif. And there are many great ones in this. All right, we can't go through all the stories, but I gotta before I let you go to my Hezger, I gotta ask you about Rabaran Leib Sitter. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I take I take um, great interest in things like this. That the Rabaran Leib uh, Steinman was actually willing 
to part with his well-used sitter, and you can imagine how much of a keepsake it would be for him, if he felt, because he felt that the person asking for it would be inspired and it would add to their own spiritual experience. How did you verify this story? So this story I actually heard from Rip Zalman Friedman, who's an, a neighbor of mine, a Rav, and he's the one who verified it with the uh, home, so to speak, of Rip Steinman, wow. the people close to him. But it's another incredible story where an individual like Rav Steinman, who lived not for himself, but for Hashem and for others, you know, for him, it wasn't that big of a deal. You know, yeah. here it is a monumental, sentimental item, you yeah. would think. Yeah. And if it's going to bring someone else happiness, fulfillment, inspiration, no big deal. You know, perhaps for the regular people like us, you know, it would it would be a difficult parting. Yeah, I'm debating if I would with... give up my sitter, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, but you know, when you when you live for a higher purpose, everything is available to help others. There's, there's no you don't keep anything for yourself. That's true, and that's the way Rebaran Leib lived his life, and that story is just a demonstration of that. But I'll tell you, interesting people ask me. You know, what's your favorite story in this particular book? Yeah. And I, I can't say I have one favorite story because there are so many. And it's funny, when I, when I share with people, sometimes my favorites are actually small anecdotes. There's a story towards the end of the book about a Dr. Bernard Dickman. Right. He's a brilliant professor, a mathematician. And there was a short story that his son told me after Dr. Dickman and his sister were sitting Shiva. They lived in Sheepshead Bay in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And the last person had come for the night to be Menachem Avel. And as soon as the person left, realizing that no one else was coming, Dr. Dickman's sister went to turn off the lights, like any, anyone else would do. And Dr. Dickman stopped her and told her, wait a few minutes. And she responded, she said, what do you mean? But no one else is coming to be Menachem Avel. Why shouldn't I turn off the lights? Right. And Dr. Dickman imparted such an important lesson. He said, the person who just left, is going to leave the building. They're going to pass the window of our apartment. And if they see the lights off, <laughs> they're going to think that they stayed too late and kept us up because, <laughs> after all, we just turned the lights off as soon as they left. Right. So Dr. Dickman said, leave the lights on for a few more minutes until this person drives away so that he won't feel bad. Pretty ab- basically, that's brilliant in Ben Adamachavere, thinking about something, who would ever think about, yet turn off the lights, not turn off the lights. A story like that, to me, is worth its weight in gold. And this book, thank God, has dozens of such stories with lessons that we could say over at the Shabbos table, that if we're a teacher, we could say over in the classroom. If we're a speaker, we could impart to, to an audience with lessons in the way we treat others, and, uh, you know, it's it's an anecdote like that that, to me, really talks to my heart. Yeah. Uh, one of the best things about being people of faith is the sensitivity we have toward others, frankly. That's a great story in that area. Really, really great. Uh, Rabbi Hezegar, I wish you mazel tov on the book. I'm highly recommending Powerful Moments. Powerful Moments, Stories to Ignite Your Spiritual Flame. Rabbi Yitzchak Hezegar and Arts Girl Release. Go to artsgirl.com or your local Judaica store. Today's a good day to do that since so many people will be shopping. And make sure to pick up powerful moments. I take this opportunity to wish you a wonderful Yuntif, uh, Rabbi Hezegar, from all of us here at JM in the AM.
to you. Thank you again, Nachum, for a few minutes. Thank you for all you do, and have a wonderful Yom Tov. Appreciate that very much. Pick it up, folks. Rabbi Yitzchak Hiesinger, powerful moments. A lot of great stories and a lot of great sensitivity. Maybe that's the best thing. Maybe that's the best theme for this Yontif for our uh, for the parents and children out there. Talk about being sensitive toward others, especially as we continue to live in a world where sensitivity toward others does not seem to be a priority. Baruch Hashem, in our tradition, it is a major priority. Baruch Hashem. That was my conversation with Rabbi Yitzchak Hiesinger. Thanks so much for tuning in. More coming up right here on the Nachum Siegel Network.